Hey folks, Jeff Woods here. We wanted to let you know this month, The One Thing turned five years old. And to help celebrate this, we are launching an awesome new giveaway where we're giving away over $17,000 as prizes. And when you enter the giveaway at theonething.com slash giveaway, you will automatically join the community that we work with as we write our next book based on The One Thing and create The One Thing Planner. All you have to do is go to theonething.com slash giveaway. That's what the number one in the URL. Enter your email. You'll automatically join us as we write the next book, create the planner, and you'll be entered to win over $17,000 in prizes. So pause the episode, go to theonething.com slash giveaway now because this giveaway is only going for a few weeks. So do it now and enjoy the episode. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at The One Thing Team. Like we mentioned on this show, we talk about the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And today's a really cool opportunity for you to discover how The One Thing has been implemented in a way you may not have heard before. Today, you are going to get to meet the Chief Sergeant of the United States Air Force. The man you're going to meet today is the number one highest ranking official in the Air Force. He is the one guy in the Air Force. And we originally came across him because he had posted on social media some of his favorite books that he suggested people read. The one thing being one of them. So we reached out to him and asked if he'd be open to coming on the show. And he responded super quick. And we had a great conversation. And I just know this is going to really help you think about how you implement the one thing at a deeper level. Also, we wanted to let you know that for the next month or so, we are going to be doing just one episode a week. Usually we release an episode every Monday and every Thursday. And for the next month or so, we're going to scale it back to just one episode a week. So every Monday. So we'll let you know when we'll be wrapping it back up. With that, let's get into this episode with Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Khalith Wright. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen, They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. When did you first stumble upon the one thing? I stumbled upon the one thing in an airport, and it had to be sometime in 2015. So I was stationed in Germany, and uh, I was flying back to the States. Can't remember where exactly I was going, but uh, I was in an airport in one of the kind of convenience slash bookstores, and I saw it. The title kind of grabbed my attention. I flipped through it a little bit, and 
And uh, so I bought it and I, I read through most of it, if I remember correctly, uh, during that, that same trip. I was just that intrigued by the content. So about three three years ago, I think. Okay. What was it about the content? Because we hear so often people go, wow, it just it just grabbed me. It was so simple yet so profound. What was it about the one thing that really resonated with you at the beginning? Well, I think it was this this the idea that because I was in a job and I've been in jobs where I, I have tons and tons of tasks. I have tons and tons of, you know, areas of concern and things that I'm always working on. I'm always trying to find more time. I'm, I was always saying I don't have enough time to do all these different things. And and so to grab this book that says, hey, you really shouldn't be trying to do all of that crap anyway. You know, I love the the kind of profound question, what can you be doing today that would make everything else easier or insignificant? I think it it is. Uh, again, it wasn't groundbreaking. I mean, it was it was very simple. But, you know, I found myself asking, you know, well, why am I not doing it? Why am I trying to do 100 things when probably only two or three of them are, are really important? So for all the people who don't have a military background, who are civilians, help us understand what your day is like. I mean, you're the chief master sergeant of the Air Force. You're about as high as it gets in the ranks. What are the things that compete for your time? So uh, mostly meetings. So I do a lot of uh, meeting with uh, other senior officials, officials from other services. Today, I met with my counterpart from the Royal Air Force from the UK. A lot of conferences we were working. I met with uh, some of my HR folks today to talk about uh, we're working on some awards and promotions and kind of an overall performance management system that we're trying to reform. So a typical day is some leadership discussions, some conferences, uh, big, we call them all calls where, you know, I think I talked to you a little bit about this last time, uh, you know, a room full of anywhere from 400 to a thousand people, just kind of an hour presentation with a little bit of uh, question and answer period. So I'm imagining that it sounds like these are a lot of things that are scheduled meetings, scheduled calls, scheduled conferences. And then we also understand that there's always something that pops up. Always something that pops up. Uh, a lot of prep work, a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of decision points, a lot of things that come directly to me or make their way to me uh, for a decision about you know, whether it's an assignment, a personnel decision, uh, a hiring decision, you name it. So, you know, it's not that much different from most executives, I would say. I'm putting myself in your shoes because I'm going, wow, I've got to imagine that the demands on your schedule are through the roof. And when things that pop up that are urgent, uh, this is not like, ooh, corporate fire. This is national security fire. How did you start to manage your time differently? Once you understood the concepts of the one thing. Ooh. So, well, I started using a planner. I started off, uh, I think I told you the other day, I, now I use the Michael Hyatt, the, the kind of full focus. But I think I started off using the, I think it was called a best self journal. Yeah. So I really started paying more attention to how my day uh, was structured and, and really figuring out and asking my teammates to, to take stuff off that I just felt like wasn't essential, wasn't going to move the ball forward in any of the areas that I was mostly concerned with or that I should have been 
concerned with. So prior to that, I didn't really pay much attention. You know, I had a calendar and I would, you know, okay, every day I look at it and just accept what was, what was put on it with, with a, a little pushback here and there. So I got a lot more serious about uh, paying attention and giving my team some guidance on what types of things should go on the calendar. I gave them some guidance and, and they developed a little bit of a matrix that helps them determine, okay, how important is, is this? Is this one of the three priorities? How will it move the ball forward? If not, then uh, we'll say no or we'll cancel it. So that, that was, I would say, the biggest difference from um, the way I used to. I want to recap real quick because what you said there is is more significant than I think people might initially give it credit. Sounds like you used to go through your days and whatever was on the calendar, whatever popped up, it just got handled the best that you could do. And then you started following certain models or systems in the form of other people's planners where you actually got clarity on what your priorities were. Right. And you and you eventually developed models and systems so that the people who reported to you, before they even could bring something to you, they asked the question, is this one of the three things that actually should be touching his desk? And if not, they go and solve it on their own. Right. <laughs> yeah. For, for you who's listening to this, do you have clarity on the handful of things that should ever touch your desk? And what models and systems could you put in place so that the people in your world could take ownership of the things that are not your one thing? What was the initial experience like when you started sharing this with the people who reported to you? The first, when we first started it, you know, I asked them to, to read the book and I, I jumped on your website and downloaded some of the, uh, there were a few templates uh, that, that I came across. So we sat down. I, I was I was managing a relatively uh, a smaller team uh, at this point. So this was back in 2015. So we sat around and we kind of talked through, hey, does this make sense to you guys? You know, how can we get to a point where, you know, we're doing the most important things and not trying to do do every single thing? Uh, and I think initially they thought uh, maybe a little bit because it was me. They said, OK, yeah, we'll we'll buy in and we'll we'll try it. Uh, but initially, uh, I think everybody was. Uh, feeling a little bit like, man, we there, there's just so much to be done. How how can we narrow it down to the one thing or the the few essential things? And so, you know, I'd ask them to go and do a little bit of homework and 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 really try to spend some time in in their small groups and and discuss and and then come back to me and and let me know, hey, what? So, how did you decide? What did you decide was was going to be the most important things? So they came back and. And it, it, was, it was still probably more than we would like, uh, but eventually we, we got to it. So this was back when I first kind of discovered all of this. Recently, earlier this year, so my team and I, we, had a, we did an offsite. So we went away from the, the office and we put on civilian clothes and kind of sequestered ourselves for two days. And uh, for the very purpose of figuring out, okay, what is our what are the most essential things that we should be working on for the United States Air Force uh, this year? It's a lot of open discussion. A lot of we started by looking at, OK, well, what did we do last year? Where did we spend most of our time? What was the actual impact? And uh, I think we came out of this particular session uh, with a very clear understanding of the most important things that we need to work on for for uh, our airmen. So how do you coach your people when they have clarity that these are the true priorities for your airmen this year, and yet there are still 
urgent things that are constantly popping up. There could be additional direction that comes down from your superiors. How do you guide them here? Yeah, so so we, <laughs> I gave them a, a a lot of flexibility. I didn't want to create a, a a matrix or a template that said if this then that if it has to be in this bucket or you must not put it on the calendar. I gave them some pretty kind of wide uh, guidance and flexibility, and ask them, okay, you're going to have to do a little bit of thinking. Every situation is not going to fit neatly into some little box, and every situation won't. Some will, but but a lot. Uh, will be, hey, the, my, my boss wants me to be at something. Um, that's a pretty strong indicator, but there are times when even with my boss, uh, I have to say, well, no, sir, I, I can't be there because I already have this commitment and this is my one of my most important things. Hold on, time out. Did you, what was that two-letter word that you've said to your superiors? N-O. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. This is this is new for me. I've I've been trying to study new languages, but what was that? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I actually have to tell my boss no. Um, we actually so we read during during this session. We we all read a book called Essentialism. Yeah. By uh, uh, Greg McKeown. I think yeah. And uh, chapter eleven, I believe it is, is the art of the graceful no. So we talked through. Hey, how will this work for us? Because I get invited to all over the world to do one hour presentations, to come visit airmen, you know, in Japan, in England, in Turkey, and California, you name it, I get invited to speak at everything, to be at everything. And uh, so we kind of talk through, okay, what, which ones do we say yes to? And more importantly, you know, how do we implement this, this uh, graceful no thing? So we actually practice, you know, going through and saying, okay, yeah, sorry, chief won't be able to uh, come to your event, but uh, we'd like to recommend, you know, this chief that can, can speak in his place. What were some of the ahas that you had with your group on graceful ways to say no? This is one of the things people struggle with most when it comes to living the one thing. I think most of most, everybody thought it was kind of funny particularly because, you know, we were kind of practicing and, and, and laughing about it. But I, but I believe that everybody kind of realized like, wow, yeah, this will ultimately make our, our, our lives easier. Cause our, our plan prior to this was, and this is still kind of the way we do it is invitations will come in. Sometimes they come through snail mail. Sometimes they come through email. Sometimes they come through Facebook and uh, we get them, we check the calendar uh, and then we kind of put them, we put them on a calendar or, well, they go through the matrix and decide, okay, is this one of the, the key areas? And then it'll go on the calendar sometimes as tentative. And then once a week during our calendar meetings, then we'll kind of talk through, okay, you got mm. these bites. We already said no to all of these. Uh, these are the three that we need a decision on. So for people who are listening to this, there's value in what was just said. And if you need to rewind, do it again. Even if it's not speaking requests for you and your world, mm -hmm. there are requests that come in for something. What I just heard you say, Kay Wright, is you have a process. The calendar gets checked to see if it even fits. It gets, it gets run through a matrix to see does it even fit within the priorities. And if and only if it fits in the priorities and the time is available, there is then one purposeful time block a week where these things get reviewed. Right. Hmm. So okay. I'll, I'll even add this. Even if the calendar is not available, 
right? So if I get a, an invitation to speak somewhere or see something or do something and the initial look says, hey, you're you're doing something else during that time. But the matrix or the discussion reveals that. But, man, this is awfully important. And this is a once in a lifetime opportunity or this is, you know, something that that kind of fits in into what it is that you want to do. Then we look to, okay, can we reschedule whatever this other thing is that's in the way of this priority? So again, I I like having the flexibility and the the agility of not just saying, well, you know, yeah, I know this is your one opportunity to meet the queen of England or whatever, but you know, you already have uh, something, something in in its place. So, so we can, we, we, again, I give the team the, the flexibility to move things around, to cancel things, to, you know, to, to make it fit. Well, here's what I like about what you're saying. Jay and I have been having a conversation behind the the scenes with a woman named Madeline who's helping us as we create the one thing planner that I had told you about. Mm-hmm. So many people, when they look at their calendars, they view it as just a parking lot, an open space that needs to be filled with something, right? Something pops up, they look at their calendar. If there's an open space, they plug it in without any consideration of priority. And everything right. you've shared today is priority has driven everything. Mm-hmm. If if something's there and this takes priority, the other thing gets rescheduled. Right. And I, I, the other thing I like about this system that we use is my team and they don't they they have no problem with telling me after they after they put something on the calendar and I come back and say, oh, I don't want to do that of reminding me, well, this is one of your priorities. So <laughs> that you asked for. So this is why we have it on this calendar and this is why you should be doing it. Let's go down the leadership rabbit hole a little bit because you've got a lot of people who are listening to this who are executives, business owners, leaders in organizations. And oftentimes, their employees do not feel empowered to say no or to challenge the priority. What does it look like to show up as a leader and empower your people this way? Yeah, I think it's, it's the key to our success as a team. I try to keep our... Uh, so I'll just maybe describe to you my my main, we call it Team 18. So I'm the 18th Chief Master Sergeant in the Air Force, and, and I have a team of eight people that work right in our space. So any, everything from an executive assistant or really we have a two executive assistants that kind of manage calendar and do a little bit of policy stuff, a uh, public affairs advisor, uh, a trip planner. And we have a guard liaison, Air National Guard liaison, an Air Force Reserve liaison, and then uh, a few other few other positions. So I try to make that as flat as possible, and and the the ability for all of us to communicate. So we do a lot of group texts, we do a lot of meetings, we do a lot of huddles, and we all encourage each other to be open, to be honest, to say what you feel, to. Uh, if you think it makes sense, then let's do it. If you don't think it makes sense, then speak up. Maybe I'm a little bit stubborn uh, because we know each other so well, because they know me so well. Uh, just because I push back, they don't cower or what have you. You know, they, mm-hmm. they they have no issue with saying, yeah, chief, I got you. But here's what we're going to do. And, and and I think that again, <laughs> also know me well enough, uh, when when I get to the point where I say, OK, yep, got it, but I'm not doing it. Then then we all, you know move on. But but mostly uh, a lot of collaboration, a lot of conversation. Uh, I ask a lot of questions. Uh, 
so I do very little, hey, this is what we're going to do. Uh, but I ask a lot of, uh, especially opinion-based questions. Hey, what do you guys think? Uh, why should we do this over that? And it, I mean, it, it works extremely well for, for mm-hmm. our team. In your role, you had mentioned speaking on leadership is is a big part mm-hmm. of of the pie. For those of us that have not received the extensive level of leadership development that you have, what have been some of the most important lessons that we can take and embody as leaders? I would say the first and probably the most important uh, lesson that I've learned and something that I personally witness from from my own perspective and and certainly when I go out and I visit the leaders across the Air Force and really uh, across the world is this concept that attitude reflects leadership. And so this is something that years and years ago uh, when I was teaching, I was I was for three years, I was a, uh, a teacher and I was teaching leadership development for the Air Force. I watched Remember the Titans, Denzel Washington. Uh, was the coach of this football team trying to bring this two sides of this team together. And and there was just, there was a scene where, you know, two of the players got in a fight and they got it. And they started talking about attitude. And this guy, this kind of famous line is, Hey, attitude reflects leadership. And it just always stuck with me. So, so one of the most important lessons that, that I learned is, Hey, my, my, the folks who work for me are going to be a reflection of me. So if I'm always in a bad mood, if I'm always cranky, if I have a, uh, negative attitude about life or our work, then it's going to reflect in the people around me. So that's one of the things that I really try to encourage leaders is to understand how that you set the tone, you create the culture, you set the pace for your organization and the people in it. So let's pause. Let's pause there real quick because I think there's an interesting parallel. One of the first things that Jay ever said to me when I was starting this company with him and Gary was that the number one way to get out of business with him and Gary was to not live the book. How can you be the face of the one thing and not actually live the one thing? And what has been so interesting are those little times when when he and I are having our four one ones, and he'll challenge me and go, "Are you really living the book?" At the highest level, are you living it in this in this specific area? And he'll go to one area. It's it's been an incredible accountability measure for those of you who are leaders. If you want the people on your team to start living the one thing, if you want them to achieve the highest level of productivity, well, if you were the mirror, what would you see? Are you honoring your time blocks? Do you have absolute clarity on what your priorities are? Are you saying yes to yourself first and saying no to everything else? And if not, do you think you've earned the right to ask the people in your world to do the same? You know, one of the other things that, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in, and, and I mentioned this this morning when I was doing the leadership brief, in your own personal and professional development. So I'm an avid reader. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm always giving my my team books to read and podcasts to listen to and and ways to learn and develop. And uh, when I see opportunities for us to attend some type of class or seminar, you know, we try to take advantage of it. And so I think it's extremely important if I want them to be, you know, I always say this little line that, hey, leaders are readers. And uh, I can't profess to them that, hey, you guys should be reading and growing and taking classes and bettering yourself if I'm not doing it, doing it myself, I think maybe sometimes they get tired, like, oh, crap, another book. He wants us to read another daggone book. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, leading friend, that's, you know, you hear that in the military any all the time anyway, is, uh, you know, you have to lead from the front. You have to be a role model. You have to exhibit the behavior you expect of your your people. Mm-hmm. I tell you, people ask me, hey, what is your your leadership philosophy? And it's, it's pretty simple. I set very high standards. You know, I expect a lot from people, whether it's the way you look, the way you speak, your products, the results, you know, how, how we present ourselves as the senior leadership team in the Air Force. So standards are always high. Uh, second, I insist people measure up because sometimes when you set high standards, uh, people start saying, well, we never had to do it that way before. And how come we how come we can't just do just enough to get by and all this other stuff? So and this is kind of where the real work comes in, where you motivate, you encourage, you inspire, uh, you train, develop. But you, you try to get people to those high standards. And then the third component is then you got to model the behavior. You can't I can't have high standards for fitness, for how you deliver speeches, how you deal with customers. Uh, how our products look when they go forward, when our messages go out, you know, everything needs to be uh, all the, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. Uh, then I have to be willing to do all that stuff myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you talked a little bit about modeling. I know in our in our previous conversation we had, you talked also about your morning routine. I mean, it's not like you're just showing up for work the day, hoping that you got the energy to pull you through. What are you doing in the mornings as a habit that end up giving you the energy and the stamina to perform at the highest levels? Yeah. So I'm pretty proud these days of my uh, morning routine. So this has been maybe in the last year or so that I've developed uh, this morning routine. And it starts with, uh, so I wake up every morning at five o'clock, do a little bit of prayer, a little bit of meditation. And then I pull out my my planner. So so sometimes I do a little bit of uh, journaling and kind of reflecting on how the day went yesterday and thinking through, OK, what what what, what do I want to get accomplished today? But but I, I write down, even though I already have a calendar, I actually take a pencil and write it in my write it all again in my planner. And I figure out, hey, what are the three most important things that I need to get done today? And all kind of tied to the goals that I've set for myself for the year and for this quarter. And I make sure that, okay, is this something that's going to contribute or move one of these goals forward? And then I end that first hour with a little bit of CNN, just kind of catching up on, on what's happening in the world uh, for today. Uh, and then I go to the gym for an hour and I work out. So I'm a, 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 I jump rope these days. So that's become my, nice. Workout. and uh, a little bit of weightlifting, a little bit of jumping rope. And then I, get my day started. So a few years ago, I, I saw a video where they were following this box around as he was training for the big fight. And I saw the way that he was jumping rope and I got so enamored with it that I got on YouTube and I started watching all these videos and I bought a speed rope and that's been my thing at the gym. And man, does that catch the mind? That is, I haven't talked to another jump roper. See, you just got me excited on a distraction. It's good. <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> I, I did the same exact thing. So I have, I got a gym bag <laughs> corner with seven jump ropes in it because so I got speed ropes I got all these different things I mean I love it and, and it took me a, a while to get the, the the crisscross and the double unders and a yeah and it's, it's it's an amazing workout well we're gonna make it make a deal if I'm in DC or if you're in Austin we're gonna jump rope then we're gonna grab beers that'll work <laughs> there you go so back back to your routine how did things change once this routine was established for you I think my days, I found myself 
a lot more focused. I found myself with a lot more energy. I found myself uh, feeling a lot more productive because I thought to myself, I, I kind of, as opposed to just whatever's on the calendar, I'm accepting it. And at the time that I'm sitting and I'm meeting with whomever, I'm thinking to myself, why, why am I in this meeting? What, what is, how is this helping me or my team or our priorities? Now I feel every time I enter into some meeting engagement or what have you, I'm, I'm pretty clear on exactly why I'm there, exactly what it's doing to move the the team forward. And that's really, I I think for me, uh, a a good feeling. I don't feel like I waste uh, a lot of time. Uh, I also, Mm -hmm. I tell you what I think was, was important. It was something that was missing. I I build in uh, time to reflect. I build in time to relax. I build in the time to, to frankly uh, shoot the breeze with, with my team uh, as opposed to just hoping that I get a, a, you know, 30 minutes here or there. Um, so, so I, I made sure the team just didn't block, don't block every single day. Uh, my lunches are sacred. So I like to have lunch to do a, grab a bite to eat, to do a little bit of reflection. And when, when things pop up, uh, when a friend calls and says, Hey, I'm in the building or, Hey, I'm in DC. Can we grab lunch? Yep. Too easy. Uh, no problem. I don't, I don't really have to reschedule or cancel, cancel anything, but, um, so, so having that time built into the day for a little bit of rest and reflection is is has been money because I, I've had times where it's just from the time I walked through the door until the time I left, you know, 10 or 12 hours later, it was just meeting after meeting after engagement after and with really actually no time to do work. So then what happens is all of the stuff that my team puts in front of me that I need to make a decision on or do I, that I need to read, guess what? I have to bring it home and then spend two hours of my, of my evening uh, doing work, which doesn't make my wife very happy. But Yeah. Well, uh, what I love that you said, and this was one of the biggest mistakes we saw people when they started learning time blocking is they tried to time block everything, every minute of every day, back to back to back. And the true power of time blocking is when you have time blocked for your true priorities. Like I love that you said, your lunches are sacred. They're always available. They're always protected. Mm-hmm. And you also have white space. You have space that's allotted for time to engage with your team. You have space allotted. It sounds like you've got time that's allotted for when those chaos, urgent fires pop up, they can be handled. Mm-hmm. And you end up going home to your wife refreshed. And in the book, they, they say, you know, when you spend your early hours energizing yourself, you get pulled through the rest of the day with little additional effort. Mm-hmm. So my question for you who's listening is, are you relying on discipline and willpower to pull through the end of the day? You find yourself around 3 or 4 o'clock grabbing that cup of coffee? What would your morning routine look like? Or what could your morning routine look like so that you had a natural energy that could pull you through the entire day. Chief, before we wrap up, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, when you were first sharing the ideas of the one thing with your team, I know you mentioned that you just kept asking them, what's your one thing? What's your one thing? What was their reaction to this? It must have been, uh, I think, thought-provoking to them all because I guess it was just something... You know, in the, in the, maybe just in life, but certainly. You mean certainly, my five things? I know my five things. <laughs> yeah. But certainly in the military, people take pride, and I did at one point before I learned all of this, people take great pride in saying, I'm great at multitasking. So nobody wants mm-hmm. to have a one thing 
and, and because we also take great pride in saying that this person is versatile. This person can do, you know, this variety of, of things. So I think most, mostly the team was like, why do I have to have one thing when I'm supposedly, and I'm doing the air quotes here, good at all these other things. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was talking to a group this morning and, and I asked them, so we were talking about understanding yourself, right? So what are you good at? What are your strengths? And, and what have you. And one guy says, Hey, I'm good at multitasking. I said, okay, yeah, you, you think you're good at multitasking. He was like, no, I'm really good at multitasking. So fast forward, you know, five minutes or so. And I say, all right, so tell me about some of the things that, that you're not so good at. And he, and the same guy says, I lack focus. It's like, yeah, because you, you're multitasking and you're trying to do five or 10 things and you can't focus on either one of them. So, so hmm. I think the team was mostly trying to figure out, Hey, I, I never really thought about this, this, this one thing kind of concept. And, and, and frankly, for us, it's, it is tough because of the, just the amount of responsibility that we have for the entire Air Force. But we were able to, to nail down, hey, these are the three most important things that, that we need to be working on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Chief, before we wrap up, out of all of your experience as a leader, being a fan and, and and a practitioner of the book, what would you suggest to people in terms of that lead domino that they can knock down in terms of their development? Very first thing is, man, you got to figure out your why. You got to figure out your purpose. You got to figure out what it is you're trying to get after. Uh, and it varies for everyone. So we have some people in the Air Force that just want to serve one term and make a little bit of money for school or what have you, and then get out. And then we have some that want to stay in for 30 years. We have some that start off wanting to stay in just one term and, and, and it ends up the other way. And so, so I really encourage people to, you know, before you go and start taking classes and, and making decisions about your life and your career, first try to nail down, you know, what is it, what is your dream? What is it that, you know, you really want out of your life and career, then you can start determining in order to do this, I need a degree in accounting and I need to try to get a job in this, this place, or I need to retrain from being a maintainer in the Air Force to working in financial management. Uh, so that first domino begins with, uh, I would say, some reflection in, hey, what is it that I'm, that I'm really trying to get after? So, so that I can, you know, create the right path. Well, Chief, I, I really appreciate the time. If people wanted to learn more about you, where could they go? So if they wanted to learn uh, the most about me, I would say Facebook. And guys, we'll, we'll link to his page below because the spelling is, is a little more challenging. So if you look right. in the description of this episode, you'll be able to click and, and access it there. Well, thank you so much. I really, first and foremost, thank you for being a fan of the book. Thank you for sharing the book. After all, that's how we found you. We saw on social media that you had published, like, these are the three books that <laughs> you should consider reading. We're like, oh, we got we to reach out to this guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Good. And I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Chief Master Sergeant Khalif Wright of the United States Air Force. Folks, what really stands out to me is the idea of moving from E to P, 
right? It's one of the three commitments. The idea that you move from being entrepreneurial, where you rely on your natural abilities, and as a result, you always have this ceiling that you're bumping up against. You just never seem to break through that ceiling of achievement. And you shatter that ceiling when you move from being entrepreneurial to being purposeful by implementing models and systems. I love how he talked about He's hyper clear on what his priorities are. He's hyper clear on the types of priorities that earn the right to end up on his desk. And he's built models and systems so that his team around him only pass those things to him. And when he looks at his calendar, he views it as a flexible document, something that he can move at any point in time because if doing the most important thing is the most important thing, why would you do anything else? When you consider these ideas, what actions can you take today? What is the one thing you could do based on this episode such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary? If this episode has brought value to you, we hope that you will consider leaving us a review on your podcast player of choice. Every single time you leave a review, it comes directly to us. So for example, I know that Anthony Richard and Tony Ludwig, both of you left us reviews last week and I really appreciate it. We read them. They mean a lot to us. Thank you. If you have not yet left us a rating and review, please go ahead and do so today. Outside of that, if you would like to join us in being part of the community that we seek guidance from as we write our next book based on The One Thing and create The One Thing Planner, then please go to theonething.com slash giveaway. That's with the number one in the URL. When you enter your email, you'll automatically be in that community. There's nothing else needed. You will be in the group as we write our next book and create the One Thing Planner. And when you enter, you'll automatically be entered to win over $17,000 in prizes. Plus, there's a very funny cat video on that page. So go to the onething.com slash giveaway. We are closing the doors to this in less than two weeks. So you got to do it now. Thank you again. We really appreciate you and we look forward to being with you in the next episode.